You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for the blessing that you have given us to be winners of souls for you. Father, we know that there is nothing that we can do or say that will convert a soul. Your Holy Spirit does that, Father. But Lord, we, you want us to be working. You want us to be valuing souls and people wherever we come into contact with them. So as we brainstorm, as we take a look at ways that we can have our just practical community outreaches today, we ask that you would be with us, that you would give us a spirit of understanding. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. So some of you may know who I am. Um, I'm Pastor Garrett Morgan. I pastor three churches um, in mid-Michigan. If you know where Big Rapids is, it's about an hour north of Grand Rapids. So I pastor the Big Rapids Church. I pastor the Reed City Church. And I pastor the Bristol Church, which is about 10 minutes south of Cadillac. So it's been a pleasure to be there for four years. And before I was there, um, I was actually being trained by Elder Wes Peppers, and I was at the Lansing Church for probably three years, right? Two or three years as a Bible worker, and I think I hold the record for being um, the associate pastor at Lansing for the shortest time. Um, I was the associate pastor at that church for three weeks. They, they introduced me as the associate pastor, and then three weeks later, they said that I was moving on. So I must have done something terribly wrong. Um, <laughs> or right, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, as we talk about practical community outreach today, it goes without saying, and I'm sure you've talked about it this week, but one of the most important things that we as a church and individuals can do when we are looking to share Jesus with our community is be excited, right? Because we not only serve such a powerful God, we have such precious truth that we hold so dear to us that we have to be excited about it, right? And people, when they see that you're excited about the message that God has given us, especially for the time that we're living in today, that catches, doesn't it? It not only catches in your local church, but it catches in the person that you're sharing Christ with. Whether it's at a door, whether it's at the store, whether it's at your local fair, I don't care where it is. If you're excited about what Jesus is doing for you in your life, people are going to take notice of that, right? So the first thing that we have to know in our churches today is be excited about what we're talking about. Be excited about what we're doing. I know that you probably talked about field work yesterday, right? We talked about building beds, and that's what we'd be doing here. When, um, when Chad told me that we were going to be building beds, a part of me was like, oh, this is great. And the other part was like, okay, that, that'll be wonderful to build some beds. And, but when I got there, Chad was so excited about building these beds. And when you got there and you saw people working together and just excited about what was going on, you can't help but completely buy in and put on a happy face, right? So you might be the only one in your church that's excited, and you might feel that. But don't let that stop you. Don't get discouraged. Be excited because I guarantee you that it will catch on. So practical community outreach is what we're going to be talking about today. And I want to read a quote here from Christ's Object Lessons before we start. And I find it interesting here. It says, we are not to wait for souls 
to come to us. And I want to pause there for just a minute. Um, this past year in Big Rapids Church, we had three women come in from off the street that just came into our front door and said, hi, we're here because we'd like to join your church and be baptized. Amazing, right? And the reason that they did that was because they'd been listening to Strong Tower Radio, right? So they came to us, which is a blessing and hallelujah for that. But we can't just wait on people to knock at our church's front door and say, here I am, right? Because oftentimes they don't know where to go. So don't just wait for them to come around. It continues here and says, we must seek them out where they are, all right? Now, where these people may be might be uncomfortable places, right? It continues, when the word has been preached in the pulpit, the work has but just begun. I want to share a little secret with you. When you're preaching to Seventh-day Adventist Christians, Seventh-day Adventist doctrine, it's pretty easy. Because guess what? Most of the time, Seventh-day Adventists agree with their Seventh-day Adventist pastor, right? But the real work begins when you go and you share something with somebody that doesn't know anything about what you have to say, that knows nothing about the Bible, that knows nothing about what a 28 fundamental belief thing is. That's when the work begins. It says there are multitudes, now notice this, who will never will never be reached by the gospel unless it is what to them? Unless it's carried to them. And I know that you know this, but we as God's people truly have a responsibility, don't we? I mean, what does the Bible say? The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. And I praise God that you're here today because I know that you're passionate about this work that God has given us. But often getting down to the practical aspects of how we do that can be difficult, especially in a smaller church. How many of you come from a church that's smaller than 50? Smaller than 50, okay. How many of you are over 100? Okay, so kind of half and half, right? And each of those churches give its own different challenges, right? In a smaller church, sometimes it's hard to find people that are passionate to do anything, right? And in other churches, that maybe the bigger ones, you maybe have, um, have you ever heard of too many cooks in a kitchen? (laughs) Right? Sometimes you get into that situation too. So there's pros and cons to each, but there are multitudes that will never be reached by the gospel unless it's carried to them. So I truly believe that it doesn't matter what the size of your church is. It doesn't matter how many elders you have. It matters if there's someone in your congregation that is passionate about saving souls. Amen? Amen. And it may be that you are that only one, but don't let that be an excuse. Let that catch on. Another quote here, and I found this was interesting. Now, this has a little bit of context here. So the St. Louis Fair, the Seventh-day Adventists back in the day, now this was a long time before I was born, obviously, and a long time before any of you were born, right? But the St. Louis Fair was something that Adventists really, um, let's just say, discouraged their members attending because it was a very secular environment, right? It was meant for entertainment. There was a lot of things that were happening there that we preached against. Of course, you have alcohol, right? And some other things that aren't good. And so Adventists were discouraged often by their local pastors to go to the St. Louis Fair because of its secular environment. But notice what Sister White says about this in evangelism. It says, we should improve every such opportunity as that presented by the St. Louis Fair. So some of them were saying, don't go, 
But here in the pen of inspiration, she was saying, why would we not? There's people there. And when there's people there, guess where we need to be? Right there. She says, at all such gatherings, there should be present men whom God can use. Leaflets containing the light of present truth should be scattered among the people like the leaves of autumn. Now, I know you've heard that part before, right? The leaves of autumn. We've all heard that. To many who attend these gatherings, these leaflets would be as the leaves of the tree of life, which are for the healing of the nations. So don't be nervous to think outside the box. Amen. Don't be scared to try something that hasn't been done before. Because there's going to be people outside of that box that you can reach. But let me share with you one thing. Before you begin a community outreach that I strongly believe that your church needs to be doing. And that's prayer. Amen. At the Big Rapids Church, when we were there, um, one of the first things that we started doing there with the six members that we had was sacrificial prayer every Sunday morning. So every Sunday morning at 7 o'clock, 7 a.m. in the morning, now most of us on Sunday morning maybe tend to sleep in, right? Or maybe you're going to do some household chores, whatever it may be. But I'll tell you, all six of those members came to sacrificial prayer at 7 a.m. in the morning. And guess what happened? People began to walk in off the streets looking for Jesus. People began to get excited about what was going on in our church. And today, and this is all by the grace of God, because I'm a new pastor, I don't have a ton of theological training, but I'll tell you this much, in a few years of those people praying, and I believe it was because of prayer, that church went from six attending to averaging 35 today. Amen. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know how that happened. But we got excited, we started to share, and we prayed. And why should we be surprised when God blesses that, right? Because He's longing to do that, but we have to make an effort, don't we? Let's get out there and do something. But often, the holdup is, well, what do we do? So here's some steps to success. When I'm planning a local, practical outreach in our church, here's some things that I keep in mind. So number one, and I think this is the most important, identify what your community needs. Some of you have been living in your community for your entire life. Some of you have been there for decades or years. Some of you have been there for maybe a few months, I don't know. But it should be pretty obvious to you what your community may need. For instance, I grew up in Washington State out in the Northwest in a, in a farming community. And because it was a farming community, we had a lot of migrant workers that came in seasonally, right? And most of them didn't speak English. So guess what was a logical community outreach program? Let's have English classes, right? And so, our, so in our fellowship hall, we set up English classes. There was nothing to do with really inviting them to church, but the classes were at the church, right? And we began to form relationships with these people, and we began to teach them English and form bonds, and it was incredible what happened. In fact, a new church was birthed out of that outreach event. So I don't know what your community has or what your community needs, but find a need in your community that you can be a part of solving. All right, here's another one here, and this is important. Find passionate volunteers. 
And that might just be you, but find somebody that is passionate about doing the work with you. That may be your spouse. That may be somebody that is older. It might be somebody that's younger, but find somebody that's passionate about sharing with the community. All right, step number three, um, where does this outreach fit into the cycle of evangelism, all right? So some of the things that we do are sowing seed, right? Maybe building beds is sowing that seed, right? Maybe you're going door to door with a Strong Tower radio survey and you're asking for Bible studies. So where does this event or this outreach that you're doing, where does it fit into your cycle of evangelism? And that's really important to know when you're putting out your yearly calendar and as you're giving that to the church board. And I'm sure you've talked about that with Pastor Wes. Okay, and here's another great question to ask yourself when you're doing a local community outreach. How can we link this event to our local church, all right? One of the bottlenecks of evangelism is giving Bible studies, amen, or getting Bible studies. And I truly believe that a lot of these local outreaches that we do should offer a spiritual element if people want them, right? Now, not to be pushy, right? You don't try and force it down their throat. Have some common sense, of course, but at least having an opportunity for them to say, you know what? This is a group of people that I could be involved in. Or this is a group of people that seem to have something special about them. So give them that opportunity, and we have a great resource here, BibleStudyOffer.com, right? Have a table set up for BibleStudyOffer.com. There's another great website um, that, um, how many of you have worked with Sermon View before? You worked with Sermon View before? Okay. If you go to Sermon View, I think it's SermonView.com or something like that, um, th there's, a, there's something new that they put together. It's called Interest Generator. And um, they offer for your church something called Interest Generator, and they guarantee you certain amount of Bible studies every month or your money back. It's phenomenal. Um, my three churches all went together in on this. I think we paid $2,000 for the entire year. So fairly low cost, $2,000 for the entire year. And every month I get 10 Bible studies in my email. It's incredible stuff, and these people are actually good leads, and they actually enjoy you following up on them. So um, 10 Bible studies a month or your money back, and I'm splitting that three ways between three different churches. And the great thing about this is, if you do a, a BibleStudyOffer.com mailing, I don't know if you've done that before, but sometimes you'll get like 50 Bible studies all at once, right? And then there's a mad scramble, because you're like, okay, we have 50 Bible studies, you take 10, you take four, and people are overwhelmed. But what's great about having 10 or even five Bible studies a month is it's this constant little drip of Bible studies. And it's pretty easy to manage five Bible studies a month, isn't it? Because a couple are gonna drop off, but you always have leads to follow up on. But that's not really outreach, but that's a really cool tool that I've been using recently. And um, I always tell them, because I'll call them on the phone and I'll say, hey, I'm Garrett, we've been offering free Bible studies. You just got our um, email about that or you saw it on Facebook or whatever it may be. I have something for you that's really heavy and we want to save money on shipping. Do you mind if I would show up at your front door with this book that I have for you that's pretty heavy? And so that's how I get into their home, right? Instead of mailing them a Bible study. So usually if you go to your local um, Bible study store, whatever it may be, or your ABC, you can get um, Strong's Concordances, right? 
Strong's concordances tend to be pretty heavy and people really like those. And it's a great opportunity to come to their door, give them something substantial. They're not very expensive. And it also is an excuse for you to be there and not just mail them the Bible studies, if that makes sense. So anyway, let's continue talking about outreach here for just a minute. This is extremely important. Please, 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 from the bottom of my heart, keep track of your interests, okay? It doesn't matter if these people didn't want Bible studies anymore and you went on to somebody else, that's okay. But keep those people and their addresses and their emails in a database somewhere so that when you have a prophecy seminar coming up, when you have something that's going on like a health event or whatnot, you can email them or send them an invitation. And when the new pastor comes in or you get a new elder or something like that, you can send them this list and they have something to work off of, right? By the way, that Bible study, that's that interest generator that I just told you, when you get that program, they give you an interest generator for free and it maps out all of your Bible studies so that you can go to them and you can click, it, it's, it's phenomenal stuff. Um, I would really recommend looking into that. But anyway, those are the questions that I ask myself when I'm looking at doing a local community outreach. So let me give you a couple examples of this. Um, a few other things here before we get to that, sorry. Not every outreach requires a large budget, okay? So keep that in mind. Some of them do, but not every outreach requires a lot of money. Also keep this in mind. Outreach isn't usually flashy, all right? Now, it's wonderful that we had the news come and film us when we were making beds. It's wonderful if the news comes and covers an outreach event that you're doing. But let's be honest, that doesn't matter, right? Now, it might give more credibility. It's great advertising. I'm saying that's a wonderful thing. But if your outreach doesn't get the news to show up, if you're not up there at camp meeting on uh, outreach uh, hour in, on Sabbath and you're not giving a report of your outreach, that's not what you're in it for. Amen. It's not always flashy. There's not always a bunch of things going on. Often outreach is super simple. And that's okay, all right? All right, keep going here. A few other points. Here's another common excuse that people have. I don't have enough help, all right? Well, the last I checked, we have God on our side, don't we? So you have the Lord by your side. And I understand that ministry, that outreach can be overwhelming. It can be scary but work with who you have, right? It can be a little child. It can be somebody that's been in your church for decades, but work with who is available, amen? I, I like to tell my church members this, if God can use a donkey, he can use you, right? I mean, if God can speak through a bush to Moses, he can use anybody in your congregation. So don't underestimate the people that are sitting there in your church pews. Believe in them value them. Because don't you think that God can use them? Of course he can. So use whoever is available. All right, so here's where we get practical. Here's an example of something that we did in one of my churches here recently. Now, my Bristol church is in a county. It's called Lake County. And Lake County is the poorest county in Michigan. All right. It switches between this county and another one, but it is the poorest county in Michigan. It's, it's, it's really bad. Now, still going here, here's a few other things. Michigan's cold. Did you know that? You know, sometimes the best outreach events are just super obvious. Okay, so poorest county in Michigan, Michigan is cold, and guess what? Heat's expensive. You ever had expensive heat before? Now, what's interesting about Lake County is a lot of people 
know that heat is expensive and that it gets cold. And they also realize that burning wood is fairly cheap. And you can get wood stoves pretty easily, can't you? I mean, you go on Facebook Marketplace, you can find a wood stove fairly cheap. And most of the, the homes in that area in Lake County have a wood stove, even if it's in a trailer or it's a stick-built home, most of them have wood stoves. And then I noticed something else about my Bristol church. Our church there in Bristol has multiple members who work in a sawmill. That's like one of the major employers in the Bristol area, and they're working with wood all day long. And I was talking to a few of them one day, and I was, you know, I walked through where they work and was showing me all this stuff, and I saw this massive pile of odds and ends. And I asked the question, well, what's all that wood for? And they said, well, this is the scrap. This is the stuff that's either too big or it's too small or what have you. So we either just grind it up or if you work here, you get it for free. The only thing you have to do is load it up. And so one of the perks of working at a sawmill in Lake County is that if you work there, you can get all the wood that you want if you load it yourself. So guess what I did? I went to the owner and I said, hey, I've got multiple members that work here. Thank you so much for employing them, by the way. And uh, I have this crazy idea. There's a lot of people in this community that are literally freezing in the wintertime. Would you mind if we started a program where we could give people free wood? And guess what he said? Go for it. No skin off my nose. It's not doing anything for me. And if I do make any money off it, it's, it's pennies, right? I'm just trying to get it out of here. And so we started up an outreach simply getting wood to our community. And I'll tell you this, people came from miles around to get wood to heat their homes. Um, okay, that's a great question. Uh, the question was, how did you advertise it? So um, I know that a lot of you might not be on board with all this yet, some of you may be, but um, Facebook is a great place to advertise, all right? So we put that on Facebook. In that area, it's pretty, um, it, in the Bristol area, it's like going back 20 or 30 years. Uh, maybe you live in a town like that, I don't know, but it's like stepping back in time. People still go to their local post office and look at like the bulletin board. <laughs> like it, it's incredible. So yes, we did stuff on Facebook, but we went to our local community boards and put up flyers. And guess what? Other churches were like, yeah, you can post that in our foyer. And so we put this, play, this stuff everywhere in that town, and people came from a long ways just to get free wood. If they had trucks, we'd load it for them, or they'd help us with it. Or if people couldn't get it to their home, well, we've got church members with trucks. I've got a truck. And guess what? We'd get to their home. And we'd get to their home, and we'd finish unloading this wood. And guess what would usually happen? A conversation. And as you're conversating with people, as you're talking with them, guess what you get to talk about? You get to talk about Jesus. So that's just one example of something that we did. Here's another one. And I thought this was just, this was so fun. Now this might not work in everything, but COVID hit. I don't know if you're aware, right? COVID hit. And as somebody that loves evangelism, I thought to myself, great. Now nobody's going to be interacting. I went to the store with my mask on. And okay, so one of my favorite places to witness is the yogurt aisle. I'll tell you why. I don't know if you've been to the yogurt aisle lately, but there's like thousands of kinds of yogurt. All right. My wife can't stand this because she likes to go to the store and leave. But I'll go to the yogurt aisle and I'll stand there and wait for somebody to come and check out yogurt. And I'll be like, what kind of yogurt do you eat? And they'll look at me and I'll say, there's like hundreds of kinds of yogurt. Tell me what you go for. And so we'll start this conversation about yogurt. 
We'll talk about Greek yogurt. We'll talk about French yogurt. We'll talk about Yoplait. We'll talk about all these kinds of yogurt. And usually you can end in a Bible study. Like it's not that hard to get Bible studies, guys. You just have to start a conversation. It's pretty great. But anyway, COVID hit and I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, evangelism is going to stop. And then I went to our store and I noticed there's no more toilet paper. You remember this? It's just gone. And then our church is closed for about a month. And so I thought to myself, you know what we don't need? Toilet paper. Because there's no one in our church. And I looked in our janitor's closet and we had plenty of it. And so we made up this little flyer because there was a lot of people in the Big Rapids community, older and younger, that were not comfortable going to town. They were not comfortable going to the grocery store. They weren't comfortable going anywhere. And we had some people in our congregation that were comfortable with doing that. And so guess what we decided to do? We put out these flyers on social media. We printed some out. We put them wherever. I don't know where all we put them. But we said, hey, if you call or text this number and put 10 items on a list, we will go to the store, we'll get everything that you need, and we'll come to you, and you can, you know, you can pay us for your groceries, but we just want to be here to serve you. And I'll tell you, it was phenomenal. Now, we were safe, okay? We wore masks. That was when COVID was really bad. And so we would put the groceries on the doorstep, right? And then we'd go a ways back, and we would call them and let them know that their groceries were there. But people were so astonished that people would actually go and do something like that for them. But I have a question for you. Not all these people were Seventh-day Adventists. And so some of those items on the grocery lists were a little bit questionable, right? And so we made a couple rules with this. We're not gonna buy you alcohol, all right? We're not gonna buy you cigarettes, but we took that as they came. But anyway, this, we posted this on our church Facebook page, and we got like three or 400 shares on this flyer in our local community, and people were buzzing about this program. And we were live streaming during this event, and um, during when COVID happened, and people came to watch our live stream because we had been at their house, right? And when we started doing church in the parking lot, we did parking lot church, people came to parking lot church because we gave them toilet paper. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Okay, how did we, you, we get the money from them? Great question. So if it was younger, most younger people have something called Cash App, right? Uh, so we just did Cash App, and then we reimburse our local church because um, we have a church debit card, and we could work through that. And if it was somebody that was older, they just wrote us a check. Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, was, it was so fun. And people really did enjoy it. And, you, and some of them became repeats, right? And so there's still a few people that we're doing this to to this day, even though COVID is kind of, I don't know, over. But I, I don't want to start all that. But yeah, there's still people that are using this service. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you want an editable flyer, um, you can just email me. Um, my email is gmorgan, G-M-O-R-G-A-N at M-I-S-D-A dot O-R-G, gmorgan at misda dot org. But anyway, sometimes the most powerful outreaches are just super obvious. Like this didn't take much thought. We just threw something together and God truly blessed that. Here's something else that we did, and I know I just have a few minutes left, but this is something called adulting. We tried this in Lansing. Did any of you hear of this? Um, it's, it's incredible how many young people in my generation don't know how to change their oil, don't know how to change their tire, don't know how to do their taxes, don't know how to have a budget, don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know, right? 
And the Lansing church had some people that, guess what, knew how to change their oil, knew how to do their taxes. So what we did was we called our local library and we said, hey, we would like to do something called adulting. A lot of young people use that verb, adulting, which means they have to grow up, right? And so every night we had five-minute TED Talks, all right? And we would have a professional from our local congregation come in, and they would give a, a seminar on how to create a budget or how to change your oil or how to do something very practical. And at the end, we would offer them something spiritual as well. The local library gave that to us completely free. And I did this in Bristol Church, and I went and talked to our local high school, and they got extra credit for coming. And so we had this event, and we had high school students coming, because guess what? Their B changed to an A, and they were coming to my church members to ask about life and the things they were struggling with. This would be a great place to talk about a depression recovery seminar or something like that. Um, so this was called adulting, and I can give you those flyers, but this was here that we did in the Bristol area. But that's what it looked like. Advance your career, manage your finances, boost your health, build better relationships, find life's meaning, hope, purpose. Um, yeah, so it was just a really great event. But anyway, just put your thinking camp on. Find what your community needs, and I guarantee you that the Lord will bless you. I'm at 4 o'clock. Any questions? Well, let me read one quote here. And they'll be done. We are altogether too narrow in our plans. We need to be broader-minded. God wants us to carry out in our work for Him the principles of truth and righteousness. His work is to go forward in cities and towns and villages. We must get away from our smallness and make larger plans. There must be a wider reaching forth to work for those who are nigh and those who are far off. So um, I'm going to turn this over to Vicki. I'm going to stick around for her presentation. If you have any questions, um, I'll be here after our seminar so we can talk. That sound okay? All right. Thank you so much. It is 4 o'clock. Hello, everyone. What a blessing to see you all here today. Have you been enjoying camp meeting? Amen. Wow, it's so great to see people, people's faces. <laughs> Okay, so we're getting this on, and my name is Vicki Griffin. If you don't know me, I'm the Health Ministries Director for the Michigan Conference, and I just feel really honored to be able to be here to share some ideas with you today. Um, so as we begin, I, I would like to share a little quote with you. It's very interesting how this presentation today came about because I had um, Gibbs. What's his first name? Jacob. Jacob. He called me during this pandemic. Everything has changed in our lives because I'm the seminar person. And he called me, wanted me to do a personal ministries, health personal ministries presentation for his church. And he said, I don't want you to do a topic. And I said, what? You know, my middle name is topic. I have 60 topics. What are you talking about? He said, no. He said, I want to know personally what personal ministry looks like in the health ministry. And it has become... One of my favorite, I don't want to call it a topic, but, um, but everything has changed during this pandemic. We have learned new skills, new tools, new ways of reaching people. And I want to share a quote with you as we begin. All right, so I want to share a statement with you that is really precious to me, very important for us to consider today. So often we are centralized in our thinking even when it comes to outreach. 
And uh, the story of Ahimeaz and Cushai is, is really an important story. How many of you know those names? Ahimeaz and Cushai. Absalom had been killed. The tidings had to be brought to David. And Cushai was sent, but Ahimeaz wanted to go. He was a runner. And Ahimeaz, Joab told him, you don't have your tidings ready. How, how is it that you want to go when your tidings aren't ready? Well, Ahimeaz said, but I want to go. And so Ahimeaz actually outran Cushai, or the Cushite, got there first. He was described as a good man, but he only brought confusion to the situation. He came, and all he could say was, I saw a tumult, and he stepped aside. His tidings were not ready. Joab said, how is it that you want to run when you have no tidings? So the number one lesson for you and I today, it's one thing to believe what Garrett is talking about in terms of our truths. Yeah, we all believe it, but it's another thing to really know it. It's another thing to know it deeply. And that is my passion because I came from outer space. I didn't know anything. And people make decisions about their lives based on their worldview and their environment. And our environments are falling apart and our worldviews are way out there. And so the doctrines that we love and believe, uh, we need to know them not just believe them. We need to study them deeply. And so if you have not picked up The Cross in Its Shadow by S.N. Haskell or The Seer of Patmos or Daniel, uh, uh, Daniel the Prophet by S.N. Haskell, if you have not picked up Uriah Smith's book, Here and Hereafter, or Daniel and the Revelation, a book which she says will increase in importance to the end of time, I plead with you to get into those books. And it's like a feast. It's a feast of all feasts. If the only level of understanding or knowledge we have is the historicals we're sharing, uh, here's what we're told. When the time of trial shall come, there are men now preaching to others who will find, upon examining the positions they hold, that there are many things for which they can give no satisfactory answer. Until thus tested, they knew not their great ignorance. And there are many in the church who take it for granted that they understand what they believe. But until controversy arises, they do not know their own weakness. When separated from those of like faith and compelled to stand singly and alone and explain their belief, they're going to be surprised to see how confused are their ideas that they had accepted as true. And so to have a fire in our hearts to share with others, we have to have the word of God deep within us, in our DNA. The reason that I obey the health laws is because the battle is not for the bulge, it's for the brain. And I have to be able to study deeply. I have to, because those doctrines that we believe, these testing truths are a picture of the God we love. And they will bring God, people to God, the God we worship. I became an atheist because of false views about God. And that brings a trajectory of hopelessness into life. And so for me, this is a passion based on what I've learned from the Word of God. And if I didn't have that implanted within me, I really wouldn't care about reaching out. And so that's the perspective that I would like to begin with today. And then the second piece that I would like to share before I share these pictures is that we often, um, we often depend on church groups and committees to, to do some work. You know, why isn't the elder doing XYZ or the XYZ person? Why aren't they interested in blah, 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 whatever it is? And we get upset and we get ourselves all in a tizzy over it. But what I've learned in some of the worships that we've had at our office is that I, Vicki Griffin, am responsible 
for my territory. Okay, so we think about planning in terms of what's going on around our church, the neighborhood around the church. We want to get those people because they're more likely to come. But I am responsible for my territory. My territory is wherever I am, whoever I'm talking to, my neighborhood, and in my definition of my territory. Now, Garrett knows a lot more about this than I do. But my definition of my territory is my postal carrier route. That's my definition of my territory. And so it says everywhere there's a tendency to substitute the work of organizations for individual effort. You know, I love holding seminars. And I see people signing up for Bible studies from these seminars more than ever before. But everybody isn't going to be holding seminars. We want you to hold those seminars at your church. But like Louis Torres, uh, people that come in from handbills are suspects. Your friends are prospects. And so it's the personal work that we do that really makes the difference. It's the personal work that is going to prepare for success in that seminar that your church holds. Human wisdom tends to consolidation, centralization, to the building up of great churches and institutions. Multitudes leave to institutions and organizations and committees and leaders and whatever their title is for the work of benevolence. And they excuse themselves from contact with the world and their hearts grow cold. That's the greatest danger, isn't it? That our hearts grow cold. They become self-absorbed and unimpressible. Love for God and man dies out in the soul. So Christ commits to his followers an individual work, a work that cannot be done by proxy. And after listening to Garrett, it must be done by moxie. Ministry to the sick and poor, the giving of the gospel to the lost is not to be less to committees, organizations, church groups, voting, even the evangelism calendar. Because wherever you are, you're in your territory. Individual responsibility, individual effort, personal sacrifice is a requirement of the gospel. We have a wonderful handout for you today, too. We've given, we're giving you a whole notebook. But we did put together, what's in the notebook, Sherry? Is it all these papers? Okay. Well, we have some wonderful resources for you in this notebook. <laughs> and I have a couple more things to share, you. So, share with you. So let's talk about personal ministry. This is what I've learned personally during the pandemic, okay? And I want to share some of these with you. There are some wonderful ways to reach out in your community. And I'm here to tell you that in the 20 years that I have been working in this conference and sharing health materials, I, I cannot in my memory remember one person that has turned it down. I can't remember. Now, maybe it's happened somewhere, somewhere along the line. And I will take, I will take the health piece and stick message books and Bible study offers in it. And even when you're inviting people to an event, if you stick the handbill in a balanced magazine, which is only 10 cents, you have just upped the perceived value of that event. And you've made it easy to hand out, and you've made it easy for them to receive. So that's something that we need to remember. So this, uh, Amy Paulson is amazing at rallying young people, and she put together these little glow tracks. Uh, it's Mindset Matters, one of our small glow tracks, and a raisin to be happy. She has some, some information on there, some little quotes on attitude and well-being, a little box of raisins. And look at how they, they created a little supply chain there, and they have little children handing these out. Uh, do you think anybody would turn down a gift like that? And you can put an invitation to whatever your event is that you're having or some potluck or, 
or uh, whatever's going on. This is a, a, a thing that I did in my own neighborhood with Balance Magazine. The Balance Magazines are just 10 cents a piece right now, so you can reach 300 people in your territory for $30. You could put materials in there. And so what we did in our neighborhood, I had a sat them for a Sabbath afternoon. For some reason, they felt like they needed to wear gloves to pray about it, but that's, so that's what they have on gloves. But we, uh, they did some little bookmarks with scriptures and put them in the magazines. My idea was that we were gonna put them in the mail slot, not the mail box, but the mail slot, which is legal. That, and we had them pick out 10 houses each, 10 magazines each. And my little granddaughter said, oh, no, Nona, we need to reach the people. I said, well, you know, um, that's what we're going to do. We're going to put it in their little mail. And she said, oh, no, no, we need to reach the people. So meaning we need to knock on the doors, which was totally not my plan. <laughs> totally not my plan. So we actually did. They picked out 10 houses because, you know, they can only make 10 houses each and knocked on the door. We're trying to just bring awareness to community awareness and there's uh, on health and wellness and there's a personal present for you in there, which is a homemade bookmark. The people loved it. Some man, I met some man on the street later. He was talking to me about his depression and his challenges and promises, his problems and their Bible study offers in there. I be firmly believe in blended message ministry. Ble what kind of message? Blended message ministry, just, you know, using health to trick people to come to a gospel program or just gospel. No, they are all one. I always combine them. And so these are some of the resources that we have. There are health Bible studies. There are the magazines. And these are some of the message books that I'll combine. And I really glommed onto this idea about claiming my territory for God. And so... These are the balanced magazines. These are larger size tracks. Uh, this, is, this is an example. I went to 300 homes in my neighborhood with this set. And it, it's, my husband, Dane, used to say, uh, this, he was in pharmaceutical sales and capital equipment for hospitals. And he said, the sale begins when the customer says no. And he was always creating ways to get people to be curious. And so in this little bag, there are three ways to appeal to curiosity. So on one side, we have finding peace in your crazy busy world. On the other side is a steps to Christ. And in the middle is a Bible study offer card with Strong Tower Radio. So really four ways to create curiosity. The health piece has spiritual elements in it and Bible study offers. So then, and then there's a deeper book. And people love these. And I went out by myself and put these in the mail, the newspaper slots, or on the front door. And I'll admit, the first time I went out, I was just sure somebody was going to shoot me or throw something at me. And, and if I saw a big monster truck in the yard, I, didn't, I just hoped that the neighbor would talk to them about what I passed to them. I didn't stop at those houses. They frightened me a little bit. The next time, I was braver. And now it has become a joy and not a job. Uh, to share these materials. So you've got to have your tidings ready, have to have them with you. This is what we handed out at uh, Easter time. We had thousands of these go out. It was Lessons on Loss, which talks about the resurrection, that's our tract, and the story of hope and a Bible study offer card. These are wonderful to hand out. People love them. They're open. Ellen White says, now is our time. 
Now is our opportunity to do a blessed work. During the pandemic, I had opportunities to pick up people's medications, go to the store for them. Uh, this is the one that I just handed out in my neighborhood not too long ago. Followed up with a postal carrier route mailing of the great controversy. So you can have your own evangelism calendar for your territory. So you've handed out a health piece with a, a, a steps to Christ or a message piece. Then several, a couple of months later, you follow up with a mailing where they're actually getting a message book in their mailbox. And it's such a joy to walk through your, your mail carrier route and know that these materials are getting into the mailboxes of these people and that you have been a part of it. I also have learned to always keep stuff in my freezer to hand out. There are random people everywhere. Over in the upper corner there, the left corner, that is a huge pot of minestrone. I cannot tell you how much minestrone I gave away during the pandemic. I bought um, the disposable, you know, the disposable uh, containers, and you freeze for for two people a little minestrone. People are sick, they're upset, they're sad, they're hurting, they sprained their ankle. Everybody loves minestrone. So little loaves of bread, muffins, my wowser waffles. So having something ready to hand out is such a blessing. And you give them literature with it. It makes a blessing out of something that breaks in your house. And you have to have a repairman come. Then you've got something ready for them. Having people over, it doesn't have to be fancy like this. But we even did this in our garage during the, I did this in the garage during the pandemic where it was too, people were too afraid to come into somebody's house. We had a little Thanksgiving time out in the garage, and I just supplied wool blankets and, and a little space heater, and neighbors came. Uh, Madeline Hamblin is amazing at reaching out with, uh, with gift baskets. I can't, I can't read what the cards say here, but yeah, sick child basket with goodies in it. This is a, a welcome to the neighbor and it has literature in it. This is a get well soon student care package. It has some Tylenol in it, you know, just some little things to, that people identify with, they're grateful for. You can have these supplies ready. You can go to dollar store and get the little containers. People are so grateful to receive a little something. This is my natural remedy closet. We're told that pretty soon, the only work that will be done is in natural remedies and door-to-door and, uh, -door work. So it's time that we start learning some of these things. This is my, this is my fomentation pot. Uh, you can steam uh, fomentations in there but, or do foot baths, but that's my pot that I made all this minestrone in. <laughs> and it's been such a blessing. And so I have everything, the thermophores, amazing, because you can give people instructions how to do simple treatments when they're sick and not go into their house. But they're so great. We had people in the office that I was able to give these materials to. So you want to have everything ready, towels and sheets and straws and plastic cups and literature. I have a literature closet, blankets, everything, because we've got to have our tidings ready. And when you're ready, Ellen White says that light seekers will be brought to light bearers. And how grateful they are just to put, put their feet in a bucket of water, have prayer with them, and give them some wowser waffles. And if you, if you have a little extra time, you put a little something in the freezer. Um, when the guy, I live in a condo area, and when the guys are out doing yard work, I walk around with a little, a little dish of um, actually little sweets. 
and I just walk around with a dish. They're out there working for eight hours. Okay, they can have a little something. And they're so grateful. I've made, they do the best job in my yard of anybody, and that's not why I'm doing it. But they, they love me, <laughs> and I love them too. So just showing gratitude to people, asking questions. I was on the phone for an hour waiting for a United States Post Office uh, tech support. It was so frustrating. Every 45 seconds for an hour, I heard the same strain of music until I was just doing breathing exercises. By the time an hour was up, I was just, I, could, I, I thought this is the way they get information out of people, is this kind of torture. So the lady answers the phone, and the only thing I could say was, I can't imagine how people talk to you. You know, once you, they get hold of you, I just can't imagine what, how people treat you. And she started to cry. She started to tell me how awful it was and how her daughter has ADD and et cetera, et cetera. And I said, listen, if you'll trust me with uh, your address, I will send you some materials that will help you with mental health, nutrition, and uh, you know, you have a ministry to the miserable, okay? And there's strength to be had. So I was able to send her Bible studies, books. She emailed me back, she thanked me. I did this with another guy I was on hold for an hour and he started to cry. Uh, you send them to the website, lifestylematters.com. That's why we have that website. It's for the public. And so the opportunities to just, like Garrett was saying, just ask people how they're doing. I've not had the courage to hang out at the yogurt department yet. I have to tell you, I'm not there, Garrett, but it's good. Accidental blessings. I always have literature in my car. I was hit, the car was hit by a deer, it was totaled, it was the middle of the day, it was terrifying, I was traumatized, it was absolutely awful. A policeman came by, he could see I was in shock, and um, so he took me to the patrol car, he said I could sit in the patrol car, and um, I, I said, you know, um, I've never been in the back of a patrol car before. I said, I should have been, but uh, he never caught me. <laughs> and so anyway, I sat in the back of this car. We struck up a conversation, and I just thanked him over and over. I just kept telling him, I'm in shock. And he said, listen, I could do this in my sleep because there's so many deer hits. And I said, well, I could give an addiction lecture or nutrition lecture in my sleep. And he said, oh, that's what I need. And instantly I knew, even though I was in shock, my brain was scheming to have a conversation to get some literature in that man's hands. And so I was able to give him a whole set of materials. It was in the back seat of my car, ready to go. You turn those curses into a blessing. That's what God will do. There are health Bible studies that you can do with your neighbors. Turn your home into a home of hope. They're wonderful. This is through It Is Written. At the bookstore, this is something I want to draw your attention to because part of my instructions today are to tell you how to do a health programming, but there's a booklet here that Madeline Hamblin put together, How to Organize a Health Event. Right, Sherry? It's at the, they're $5, people. So one of the best uh, $5 investments you'll make. They're amazing and perfect, some perfect recipes in there, how to organize, how to lay out your room, how to plan, how to advertise. So now when Wes asks me if I told you how to plan an event, yes, right there. That booklet is far more professional than I could give you in 10 or 15 minutes. And so I encourage you, yes? Yes, sir, at the ABC, uh, how to organize a health event. It's just superlative, really will help you. Um, so we also have some brand new series. You know, this great evangelism is coming up. So number one, you have to have your own personal tidings ready. 
Number two, your territory is, is your, that is your responsibility personally and have your stuff with you at all times. We also have other resources. So we do want you to hold some events through your church and with groups at church. And we've tried to make it easy for you. Teeny Finley is having a cooking school that will be live in September. We are following up with a chip program in, um, in thank you, Sherry, October. She is just like my right-hand person. I'm so grateful for Sherry. In October, I'm doing 16 presentations for a night. They will be live streamed, but we're doing more than that for you, these 16 topics. We are also giving you scripted PowerPoints, tracks, handouts, discussion guides, so that you can hold your own program any night of the week or air it later, 16 topics with everything you could possibly need to do it either Zoom or in person, that's one thing. The other thing is, is we now have a 13-segment Hope Television Living Free series, 30-minute programs, and we have added to that, it's on every Wednesday night at 9.30, and we are, you can get a link at Lifestyle Matters and watch these amazing testimonies, short presentations, but we have added to that by providing for you a facilitator guide, how to organize a group, discussion guides, tracks, interactive materials and handouts so that you can hold your own program just using something to watch on TV for, for 30 minutes. Amen? With compelling testimonies that'll bring tears to your eyes. Some of them are our very own pastors. And I know Garrett has an amazing testimony. So we, we are in the business of giving you resources to reach out with all the pieces. We have our 26 balanced living programs, uh, that are free, scripted, with all the bells and whistles, the handouts, the session guides. One friend of mine got, um, there was a blizzard, and I couldn't make the, the speaking engagement. She just used the tract and the discussion guide to hold her program that night. And it was better than if I had showed up, because it was so personal, so interactive. They had so much fun discussing. So that's what we have done for you in our department. We, wa we want to remove every objection for you to say no, so that you can't say no. All right, so with, the, with these materials, including the Living Free, we have a Quit Nicotine program, 10 sessions, the Living Free from the Hope Television or our own series or the Balanced Living or the CHIP program, 16 presentations. All of these things have a facilitator guide, discussion summaries, practical handouts, Balanced Living tracks, uh, editable scripted PowerPoints, video presentations, amen? So we want you to be thinking, what can we do between Teeny's Cooking School and the Depression Recovery Program that they have planned for January? You're gonna have some weeks to do some stuff. And I know that I've blown a lot out there right now, but it's, you call Sherry and she'll help you. So the how-tos of hello, first of all, show up. We've just got to show up, show up for that garage sale, show up. There's something called exposure effect that if you just show up and even don't even talk to people, they will rate you as more likable. So if you're just walking your neighborhood every day, people see you out their window, they think you're more likable. Now we can open our mouths and ruin it, right? <laughs> and we do at times. So don't stay away from the potluck, the picnic, the more people see you, they see you, they see you, they see you, the more likely they will be inclined to want to get to know you. Connect with people that are less fortunate. And by the way, sometimes we're the one that's less fortunate, and people love to help. 
if people will love to help. My garage wouldn't open the other day. It was the one day I left everything in the house, the keys, everything. I couldn't get in. I went terrified to my neighbor across the street. I thought I was going to have to break a window to get in my own house. He's an engineer, a retired engineer. Rapture people. These are rapture people. I love them. And I helped them a lot. Now it was his turn. And it made him so happy to be able to come and put a battery in the garage door opener. <laughs> so connect with those who are less fortunate and don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. It's such a blessing to depend upon and need and share and our weaknesses and our challenges and our problems. We're people. We have problems even though we have a message. And people need to know that you're real. Ask questions. Be ready to lend a listening ear and share your own challenges. The Bible says, all the days of the troubled are evil, but he whose heart is glad has an unending feast. So just taking an interest in others really tends to, um, and our attitude is so important. You know, David, when he was facing Goliath, he didn't say this giant's too big to kill. He said this giant's too big to miss. And our evangelism opportunities are big right now. I have been astonished when we hold public meetings, out of 15 visitors, maybe six will sign up for the Prophecy Series. I've never seen that before, and we're seeing it happen today. So our extremity is God's opportunity. And by the way, David had other Goliaths to face. You're not ready. You're not qualified. The time isn't right. The conditions aren't right. We don't have the budget. You know, you don't know what you're doing. You're inexperienced. Those were the bigger giants, and David had to face those giants, and so do we. The Bible says those who are without friends, God puts in families. He makes him families like a flock, that we are the family of God, and God has other family members out there that he's ready to bring. And by the way, Ellen White says that light seekers will be brought to light bearers. I can't imagine if I hadn't had literature in my car when my car was totaled. I gave it to the tow truck guy, uh, you know, the junkyard people. They all got literature. We are living in the last days. The end of all things is, it's at hand. He arranges, God arranges that advantages should be brought to the workers in various places to enable them more effectively to arouse the attention of the people. Ellen White says, as we humbly profess what we know, we will grow in grace and truth. How many of you want to grow in grace and truth? So we've got to get our tidings ready through personal study, and then we have to get our tidings packed everywhere we go. Let us remember that we bear a message of healing to a world filled with sin-sick souls. May the Lord increase our faith and help us to see that he desires us all to become acquainted with his ministry of healing. How many of you would like to accept that gracious invitation from the Lord Jesus? Put your hand up. That's why you're here. Amen. Well, let's... Um, Let's have closing prayer, and then I'm going to, we'll take any questions that you might have as we finish up today. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the wonderful promise that your people are likened to a sunrise over a mountain. And you have said that not only will we climb over walls, but we will go into, through windows to reach the lost. And there are no doors in that picture of Joel chapter 2, just opportunities that your Holy Spirit creates. So I pray that you would fill us with a hungering and thirsting for a deeper understanding of the doctrinal truths that are testing truths for the end of time, a deeper love for souls, deeper energy and commitment to your cause, and help us just to continue to say yes to us, Lord, as you prepare us for your soon coming. 
Help us to learn from our mistakes, turning every setback into a comeback. In Jesus' name, amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.